make sure that you're taking care of your mind before you're taking care of your money. I am extremely excited and grateful that you're on and you took time out. Uh, and this will be a perfect time for you to do a mini introduction of who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Ani Sanyal. I am a entrepreneur that lives at the intersection of business and culture. So both those things in my life have been really influential. Um, always been a creative person, but always felt like creative people were told that they can't make money and that always bothered me. And so I've dedicated my life to um, creating businesses and creating things that live at that intersection. Um, a marketing agency, a uh, cafe restaurant um, after the beloved drink of chai, um, artist management, uh, real estate investment fund, and uh, an entrepreneur's workshop that caters to minority um, creators and entrepreneurs. And so everything I do is kind of focused around that. I am the uh, eldest child of two immigrants from uh, Kolkata, India. Uh, you know, grew up the, the, the classic first generation American experience, you know, but I had a lot of um, defining moments in, in my life that turned the American dream into a potential American nightmare. And so to kind of make it out of that and, and be here today is something that uh, I, I hold very close to me. Dude, that's such a long, amazing resume of things that, that you do and that you've accomplished and that you're working toward. Um, speaking of your parents, uh, was being a, a doctor or a lawyer or engineer ever part of your journey growing up? Or was this something that they ever like pressured you or pushed you to do? Yeah, I mean, before, you know, this entire episode today, I want to give context. Like my parents are incredible you know in in the sense of like they've always trusted me to do the things that i was going to do anyway but like my parents have never been those type of parents like they're very like flexible and generous and thoughtful in terms of like what they want for their children that being said um i've been fighting the power for you know a solid 20 something years in the <laughs> sense of like i've always been pushing back um my parents definitely did, and probably still to this day secretly, um, want, you know, uh, a more professional career choice for myself and my brother. Um, I was, I went to school for uh, economics and finance, and I actually worked at a hedge fund for a couple of years and did a lot of like uh, things in the Wall Street world. And I honestly thought that that was going to be my career path for a bit until I realized that that wasn't who I was. So if they had to pick something, yeah, my parents probably thought I'd be a banker or, you know, yeah. some type of, some type of finance guy. That's really sweet that your parents had that level of trust. Uh, I think that's a really, actually incredibly difficult thing to do to like completely kind of like trust your kid and let go of that control and, and try to let them grow and do what they, they, they think they want to do and, right. and hope that they're on the right path. So that's actually really sweet that they, they, they went down that way. When you were younger, did you have something that you wanted to be or that was there something that you used to dream that, yo, I want to be this or I want to do this? Yeah. So being the eldest, you know, and, and my parents, you know, kind of fresh off the boat moved here and, and they're still figuring things out. We don't really understand that. Like our parents were figuring it out as they were going on as we were growing up. Right. And you kind of only 100%. learned that in hindsight. Um, 
to give you context, like I, I was like skateboarding when I was like eight years old and my parents were like, what are you doing? You know, like that's <laughs> like, I started there, right? So yeah. the bar was all messed up from the beginning. Um, if I wanted to be anything when I grew up, I mean, I think the, the closest thing I can think about is like, I was obsessed with, and still am with hip hop music, you know, um, and I wanted to be an artist and, and I got to live that dream for a long time. But that thing that I wanted to do in my teenage years, like I just, yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted to rap, man. I wanted the world to like, I wanted the world to acknowledge me as a musician, as an artist and, and some type of business person. I didn't know what that looked like at that time. Dude, that's amazing. What I had no idea you skateboarded. And then second, I know that you're involved in the music industry, but I didn't know you, you wanted to, you know, you wanted to rap. Uh, I, I wonder if there's any tracks somewhere that you've recorded that haven't been, have they been released? Oh man. L listen, like, First of all, skateboarding, my, my uh, AIM screen name was Ani, S-K-8-B-R-D-R. -R. Like I, <laughs> I was lit. Um, I love skateboarding, man. Skateboarding was like, it was a, such an um, exercise of freedom. You yeah. know, and that, that taught me so much about the things that I do to this day, as crazy as that sounds. Like skateboarding culture was on the forefront of, of sneaker culture, of breaking down a lot of like racial stereotypes in terms of like, you know, the, the kids that came together to celebrate that sport streetwear you know supreme fashion like all of that came from skateboarding i had a supreme hat when i was like 16 because like you just buy them at the at the skate shop yeah you know um and and to the music point uh i i was uh i dedicated like 10 years of my life to being an artist so from the ages of like 16 to 26 i i, yeah. I had no job i was an artist i traveled uh, i toured in japan for for two for like two months I toured in India, scored a Bollywood film. Um, what? I got I got tracks with Raekwon and, and all these other crazy people. Anik and I actually have a song together. So that's actually how we met. Um, and I got to no live that. No way. Yeah, man. I don't talk about it now because it's so disparate from what I do. But my, yeah. uh, my hustle started as uh, an independent record label when I was 16. That was the first thing, first business I ever started. And, uh, you know, having your music on, on iTunes while we were still in high school and we were selling CDs and t-shirts hand to hand. Like I remember, you know, the first thousand dollars I ever made was, was from selling um, my own CD. And so like, I really come from this culture and I think that uh, I've been able to see it grow to where it is today. And it's, it's incredible. Dude, first, when we get off of this, we're going to talk more about this and I need to, I need to hear some of this. Um, it's pretty bad, but I'll let you, I'll let you in. Nah, dude, I would love to hear what you were doing when you were 16, 17, and 18. Um, and speaking of, of, of like the business and, you know, making your first thousand dollars now, and, and we got a little brief introduction up to what, to what you do, but let's dive deeper into what you're involved in, how you got there, and, and what aspects of those business do you see, where do you see it going in the future? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, my first business was an independent record label. And for 10 years, I learned how to leverage the digital space to push direct to consumer products um, in a more informal way. But that's really what I was doing, whether it was um, sell setting up a big cartel shop, you know, to, to learn yeah. e-commerce back in 2008. You know, I was on it, whether it was understanding how to leverage social media to um, find fans and data mine and, and build audience. Um, whether it was learning the power of both video and, and photo and, and, you know, content and how that kind of drove conversion. These are the things that I, I spent, you know, so much time doing. The problem was, it was very hard to monetize that at that time. And so yeah. 
you know, when I, when I decided to kind of walk away from, from the music business at that time, I was really looking to like, simply put, I had to get my money up. Like I was 26. I had been living a very like hand to mouth existence, you know, for the last 10 years, I, I didn't ever have a full-time job, didn't never committed to like, you know, anything that I did with my, with my economics and finance degree. Um, and, uh, I had to figure it out. And, and so the first business that my brother and I really kind of broke through with was a marketing and creative agency. And we focused on early stage startups and providing customer acquisition and um, strategy, digital strategy to um, companies that were doing between like zero and 20 million a year. And uh, it's funny, I was, I was essentially leveraging all the things I learned as a musician, as an independent record label owner, as, as a, you know, as a do it yourself type of marketer, I was, I was doing those things at scale. Um, the agency, you know, we, we did fairly well. It allowed us to really change our lives for the first time talking about, you know, taking your parents on vacation, um, having enough capital to start investing in other things like real estate. And, you know, um, that eventually led us to starting the, the chai company called chai that was incubated within the agency that was funded, you know, with our own funds in the agency. And we basically took all the things that we would tell clients to do, like build community, yeah. you know, go all in on, on social and do these things. And they didn't want to do them. We took those things and applied it to a brand that we built from the ground up. And uh, today, you know, obviously we have, we have a cafe in New York city. Um, we have a really, you know, robust like digital presence and e-commerce business and, you know, have kicked it with everybody from Questlove to, you know, um, you know, God knows who, but, you know, it, it's become this like cultural phenomenon. So that's a big part of what I do now. And then um, tangential to that kind of in the cultural space, I manage an artist named Anik Khan, um, Bengali American artist, super talented guy. You know, I think he's, he's the one out of, you know, that entire crop of South Asian artists. And um, I've been working with Anik for a long time. And you know, to see him grow is like something I'm really proud of to kind of see what he's been able to do. And, uh, and lastly, I run a real estate uh, investment fund company group and uh, essentially figuring out how do you reverse the cycle of, you know, as immigrants, there's just very little wealth creation for a lot of us, you know, and, and my parents didn't really figure it out. They figured out how to survive. They didn't figure it out how to do anything else other than that. So for me, yeah. it was big to kind of like, break that up and say, okay, no, we're, we're going to go on the offensive and, and we're going to figure out how to really um, accumulate wealth and, and change this narrative that we're so used to. Dude, a couple of things before we move forward, I want to talk, yo, the chai is the best chai. I've said this many times and I a hundred percent stand by it. It's funny because I ha still have so many bags in my cabinet, but every time I meet someone or I see, I mean, now it's very rare, but I'm always like giving bags to people. I was like, yo, listen, you gotta, I make it for them. I make it for them myself. And I'm like, yo, you gotta take this bag at home. You gotta go take this you're bag funny. at home. Amazing. Dude, cause I, I love would... it. it. It was one of those things that at home it's different, but like when you're on your own, I was on the hunt for really good job for a long time. And then when we had it with you guys, it was amazing. And then we moved down here and right. then you guys started the e-commerce thing and it like solved all my problems. Uh, it's, it's we're just, thankful, man. Thank you. No, nah, it's just one of those things that makes you feel like a little piece of home is in your home. It's like weird to explain, but uh, I love that. The Anik Khan thing is so true too, because he, you know, uh, I think the first time you listen to his stuff, you do know that he's the one. Because there was a lot of people who were trying to do it and people who were trying to like put on a sh put on a front but he yeah. he's like he's the one 
Yeah. It's, it's all real. It's all authentic. And he's the one, the real estate thing. I, I would love to know a little bit more about, I understand, like, I understand like the mindset of what you had, but what made you pick real estate to go into? Because it is definitely one of those things that helps build generational wealth. And it is something like you said, our parents weren't thinking about that when they got here, they really was, they were just trying to survive. So what, cause it is a very smart thing to do to go into real estate, but what kind of pushed you toward doing that? To be honest, I had a very, um, kind of harrowing life experience that that pushed me to get to that point i man so 24 years old i was um i was like living this crazy life i was on tour in india and japan and doing all these things with music and then at the same time i was diagnosed with end-stage kidney failure and so i had to completely put my life on pause um and and more than pause uh had to go on dialysis at 24 which is a very very difficult thing to do and it took me about a year of, of fighting. And eventually my dad was my uh, kidney donor. And so I came out of that situation on my 25th birthday, having to start at zero, you know, all over again. I had, yeah. I had no money. I had, you know, I was living with my parents, literally just recovering. I had been living on my own for, for, you know, since I was 18. Um, and when I came out of that situation, I just had a different focus and a sense of purpose than I did before. Um, and I started to, to really understand that, you know, if it wasn't for my family, that entire situation would have gone very differently, you know, and I was so indebted and, and uh, like the gratitude that I wanted to express to my parents was just like, I couldn't find the words for it. Right. And so a big yeah. piece of what I started thinking about was how do I, how do I pay it back? Right. How do I improve their life as they get older? What do I do to like, make sure that this is not in vain. And and the biggest thing to me was like, I want to retire them. I want to take care of them. I want to make yeah. sure they don't never have to think about money because for the last 30 years in this country, that's all we've thought about, you know, and, and financial insecurity is a big piece of like my puzzle and why I've decided to be an entrepreneur at a very young age is because I always wanted to control um, my means of income, you know, cause I, yeah. I just grew up seeing, my dad be a victim to, to the to job market and all these things. So real estate came out of a need for, for me thinking about how do I provide for my parents passively and, and over time and consistently um, like what type of, what type of investment vehicle would do that, right? What type of financial instrument would do that? And stocks and, and bonds don't really do that. You know, other things don't do that, but when you own real estate, you know, you get, you incrementally build, wealth over time, but you also get paid every month in terms of rent rolls and things like that. And I was like, that's a really interesting way to generate income for people that I love. And uh, that turned, you know, from a seed of an idea when I was like 26, 27, uh, five years later now, um, I, I have like 30 plus doors. I own about upwards of, you know, well into the seven figures of, of real estate um, in my portfolio. And it's been like this really interesting uh, way to like give back to my family and, and make them feel like we're going to be okay. Yeah. That's I got real serious real quick. Sorry about that. But yeah, no, it's good. That's, no, that's it's good to hear. Yeah, no, that's a, a very important part of your life. And it seems like that kind of changed the way you were thinking what you, cause I was going to ask at one point, like, Oh, what made you kind of shift away from music completely? Cause you did say like, that's what you did for almost like 10 years. So this obviously makes a lot of sense of why you had to, rethink what you were doing and how you were doing it yeah it's amazing yeah is what challenges do you think you faced in the start to try to 
build this? Because obviously, it, I'm sure it was not easy at all to get to where you are now. But what challenges do you think you faced? Uh, even buying like your first thing, because coming from nothing, it is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, the tactical challenges are endless. Understanding how to get a loan, where to find a lawyer, you know, what what areas do you buy in? All of those those tactical things are you know, they're really tough to figure out. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Um, but the toughest thing that, that I had to face kind of as, as I wanted to start this was just the, um, the fear and doubt that surrounded everybody that I was around. Like, I remember yeah. telling my dad, you know, I really want to, I was like, I think I'm going to really dedicate uh, a lot of my time and effort to like building out a real estate portfolio. And he was like, no, don't do that. You have no idea what you're doing. And I, and I, it took, it hit me and I was like, wait, what? I was like, no, you don't know what you're doing, right? Like <laughs> you, you're scared of this. Yeah. You're afraid of this and you're projecting that on me. And I had, I had been in the game long enough, right? Skateboarding, rapping, yeah. this, that. I had been in the game long enough to know the difference of when someone's projecting that fear onto you. And I was like, nah, I think I'm going to do it this way. And, um, you know, it's look, none of it's been easy. These last six years, I haven't slept. I haven't not worked a weekend, you know, all these things, but, um, what we've been able to do financially, you know, what, what, like, what that, what that is, is looking like today is like, sometimes I don't even sit to realize what it is, but it was just getting over that initial fear and not letting someone who wasn't qualified to give me advice, give the, that to me, you know, um, I, I, I hustled my ass off, man. I went to meetups. I went to, you know, I was on forums online. I was driving around neighborhoods that you should never be in. I was talking to people, you know, talking to contractors. I just, I, I got my hands dirty for like two years. And then now uh, things are really starting to come together. Dude, that one, you're making me question about what I'm doing. And I'd be like, oh, maybe I should rethink about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Stop uh, it. It, but the projection thing is interesting because it just reminded me of a story of my dad too. And I don't know why there was, I don't know, uh, there's a certain, I guess, our parents' generation that had these weird fears. Because I remember now when we were younger, my dad had an opportunity to get this house that we used to rent the basement in. And it's mm -hmm. when I was like five years old. And the woman was leaving the country and she's like, I will, you know, you don't have to do a mortgage, just pay me. And, I, and my dad was so scared of this idea of owning this house because he heard story that like somebody slipped on snow in front of their property and he got sued and he said no to it. And at there that time go. he was getting that house for like, under $50,000, right? And it's probably, God knows what that's worth now because it was in Queens, Queens Village, I think. Oh and it's just gosh. interesting because as yeah. we grew older, you can, I can think about like times where they would project their fears, but like that's all they know. And I think that it's amazing that you broke out of that because I think a lot of people, and I don't know how many times it must have happened to me where I didn't break out of it because I just listened to what he said and thought that, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I should be more fearful of whatever it is. But that's really yeah. interesting. And yeah. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, um, we could, I could talk for hours about this, but I think that's one thing for, you know, first generation kids of any background, you know, like that fear that our parents have is palpable and and we can understand it, right? I mean, they picked up and they moved to another country. Yeah. As bold and as cool as we think we are today, nah. we would never do that, right? Yeah, so, hell no. You know, I always tell my dad, like, I give you props. Like, you know, yeah. you, you're a thug. Like, you did something that, that I would find very challenging. At the same time, um, discerning that difference is so key to be able to live a life that you want to live and not a life that somebody wants you to live.
yeah. you know, and, and, and honestly it's lucrative too. I mean, like if, you know, I had told my parents five years ago, Hey, we're going to own a cafe in New York city in five years and you guys going to be able to walk up. They would be like, what? No, don't, don't waste your money. Right. Like they wouldn't yeah. know the immediate reaction would be like, no, you're stupid. You don't know how to cook. And I'd be like, you right. But you know, that that's not, that's not where the buck stops. So yeah. Uh, that, that whole fear equation to me is, is, uh, is super important. And I think what I went through, you know, at a, at an early age, um, really flipped how fear works in my life, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. And, um, I was, <laughs> I was going to talk about, um, what you said about your, um, parent. And I've just lost the, my, my train of thought because I got so caught up in your story. <laughs> I think this is like a very important lesson for a lot of kids to hear. And I think it's hard for, for sometimes because you think that especially when you're younger you're we are especially even desi people like are trained to think that our parents know what's best all the time or they know what the right thing is and in some cases that is true especially parents that might have a lot more experience in whatever you it is that you're dealing with but there's a lot of times where they don't know and like it's something that it took me a long time to understand this too like yo they don't know and it's not their fault it's just that if they're the product of their experiences and we're a product of ours and there will come a time where you will know more or you will know what's better and it's right. a hard thing to do and i still know some people that have a hard time dealing with that and breaking off from their parents because we're we're bombarded with this idea that yo your parents know better for you and they know better than you and I think that's an important lesson to get to the point where sometimes you need to fight it. And sometimes you have to break past that. And it is a very interesting challenge uh, because it goes so deep down into who we are, but it is the right way to think about it. And I'm sorry for any parents who might ever listen to this and be like, screw this kid or kid to screw this guy. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, but I, I think that that's a very important lesson for a lot of people to learn. Um, where you are now, aside from given what's happened this past year, because that's just make things very complex. And hopefully this is like a, a small bump in the road of where you're going. Are you genuinely happy with the choices that you made? Are you satisfied with how far you've come from when you started? 100%. Um, I have no boss. I don't have any, you know, people that hold money over my head. I, every day I wake up and I get to decide like, what, you know, what do we want to, what do we want to do today? What do we want to create today? How do we want to shift culture today? How do we want to make people proud today? How do I want to stay true to myself today? And I've never woken up and be like, oh, I gotta go to work today. Shit. <laughs> you know, sorry if I can't curse on here. Uh, no, you can't, you can curse. You could say whatever you uh, want. Nah, you know, like I've never had that feeling of like, oh, I gotta go to work in the morning. And that is such a sublime feeling, you know, like to be, I'm 32 and to have that be the, the permeating thing that's been in my life for the past, you know, X amount of years, like I'm spoiled, you know, but on the other side of that, being an entrepreneur, being a founder, being uh, a CEO, someone who has payroll, these things are very stressful. These things are very high stress and it's not for everybody, you know? So for every day that I feel like, wow, you know, I feel amazing there are nights where I feel like, yo, I don't know if I'm going to survive. You know, I don't know if I'm going to make this. Yeah. Um, I've had to sacrifice, you know, a lot of things like, you know, romantic relationships in my life, um, time with family, yeah. you know, time with my friends. Like I don't hang out a lot, right? Like people yeah. ask me like, yo, like, what are you doing tonight? Like, 
bro, I'm most likely working. <laughs> like I'm <laughs> most likely working because, you know, I have, I have eight people on payroll and there's a pandemic or I have to, you know, do X, Y, Z campaign. And, and it's something I believe in. Like I've had to make those choices. So, you know, I, I want to give both sides of that, that coin for anybody who's kind of in that position of, of starting their own business or wanting to liberate themselves from, you know, the, the nine to five life as beautiful as freedom is, it comes with caveats and you got to make sure your mental game is as strong as your business game. And that's something that, you know, I, I feel like I've been blessed, you know, I've been blessed with, you know, I feel like God really looked out for me in that, in that case, but um, it's not easy. It, it, I'm glad that, you know, you brought that up because there is like a lot of times people, even with not even like what you're doing, but even if people think of freelance work because you're technically your own boss, people have this misconception that you all of a sudden have all this freedom, but it comes with a very high cost of, you know, technically this means that you're always going to be working or you should be working if you want to be successful. And you're right. Like your weekends are not your weekends. Your nights are not your nights. That's one thing that people really need to understand that when you have a job or nine to five, you clock in, you clock out, you go home and then your time is your time. But when, especially if you're an entrepreneur and if you're building stuff, your time is not your time. Your time belongs to that thing until it becomes something you know whenever i don't know if we ever get satisfied but you get to a point where you feel like you can take some time off but like what you said in the early years like i'm sure you <laughs> it's been a very hard struggle and uh, i think sometimes it's also difficult i talked about this in another episode it's a difficult for people around you to understand that you're trying to build something and like i remember when i was in med school people forgive everything because they're like yo he's in med school so he he doesn't need to be anywhere he doesn't need to have any obligations in any relationship and sometimes that not most of the time that respect doesn't translate to other things that you're doing that's an incredible observation yeah and you notice that. I mean, I'm sure you struggle with that where people think like, oh, you know, you're the boss. You could take time out. You could come to do this thing. And I'm sure even your family is like, oh, you know, just come here or do this. And it just doesn't work that way. No, nah, that's, that's a really great observation. And it's so funny because I don't have any like medical school type of experience in my life because yeah. I've been rogue, you know, for so many years. So I never even <laughs> think about it that way. <laughs> but, um, but man, that's, that's really real. And it's also funny how people will yeah, I mean, people will be more excited that you got a job rather than you started something, you know, and that's just, and that's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a cheerleader on like LLC Twitter telling everyone like, yo, start a business. Like, (laughs) yeah, I think, I think my biggest thing is whatever you do, do it with pride. You know, um, I remember, you know, first couple months of the cafe opening, like I was taking a trash out. Like I was like scrubbing floors with my brother, you know, after hours and like, I got seven figures of real estate that I own. Why am I taking yeah. the trash out? You know, but that's like, that's what it takes. That's that having the, the um, understanding that you need to do all of that on this journey, I think is like really important. Yeah. That's another great message to know that you're right. No matter what you're doing, you should be, you probably will be involved in every level of it. You should be because if when you're involved with every level of, of your business from, from taking the trash out to, you know, pitching a VC, you understand what goes into each part of that. Right. And, yeah. and therefore when you hire or when you have a partner or when you bring people on, you can tell if they're doing a good job or not because you knew how to do it. Right. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not, this is like a, this is a, um, a metaphor for certain things, but at the same time, I think that's so valuable is, once you've done it, you know how to, you know, you know how to teach it and you know how to spot somebody else doing it well. And that, yeah. that is key. 
That is very important. Yeah, if you've never done it, it might be hard for you to, and you're right. I like the fact that you phrase it, that you know when someone's doing it well, instead of phrasing it that you know when someone's doing something wrong. Because it's very easy for us to always point at things when it's wrong, but not always appreciate when it's done being done well. Yeah. That's 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 a great way to think. And that's why you know you're really good at what you do. <laughs> um, I don't know about all that, but but I, I do know how to take the trash out at a cafe. In <laughs> case, you know, anyone needs somebody, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> do you, and this is probably like an obvious question too, but like how do your parents feel about what you've accomplished and what you've done with you? Because I'm sure like they were probably skeptical even into your mid-20s, uh, but how do they feel now? Yeah, I think that's been the most validating piece of this entire journey, you know, is the fact that my parents, on their first date in Kolkata, they, my mom spilled chai on my dad's lap because she was so nervous, you know, yeah. and, and, and now, today, they can drive to New York City, they can, you know, go to the East Village and walk into a place that says Kolkata Chai that's owned by, you know, their children. Um, that's the, that's the, the biggest full circle moment, you know, like that, it gets me emotional because that's the most important piece of this thing. You know, it's, uh, it's being able to tell your story in an authentic way to be a champion for, you know, your family, your community and to, to put a flag down, you know, to let people know like, now nah, we did it, we did it our way. Um, against all odds. And, and I think um, as crazy as my parents think we are, like they, you know, they respect, they respect game, you know, like they, they've come yeah. around to understanding that like, you know, we are, um, we're for real, you know, and, and yeah. I think it took them a very long time. I think, you know, I, for every first generation immigrant kid, like the moment that you win your parents over is when you can show them financially how well you're doing. Yeah. You know, I think when we were able to take my parents on vacation, kind of the early days of the agency, they were like, what are you, what are we doing? And it was like, <laughs> no, we're doing this because, you know, we're able to do this. And I think when you're able to show and prove, there's nothing that they can tell you, you know, and then it's just being responsible with the money, you know, instead of buying X, Y, Z, you know, we yeah. reinvested that into different things that we believed in. And, and I think now, um, I know we made them proud, you know, and, and that's something that I, I hold so close to me every day. It was such a sweet story. I didn't, like, obviously I had no idea, but your parents, that's how they first met. And that's what, that was like their first experience. And now you guys have a chai spot in the city. That's so sweet. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> Did your brother have competition with your mom on the recipe? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause we, we shot like a mini documentary before we released the, uh, before we opened the cafe Yeah, and we talked about this moment and, uh, and then the next scene is in the kitchen is my mom like warring with my brother about yeah. the recipe. So the short answer is yes. Um, the, <laughs> the, the long answer is my brother was not letting anybody tell him, you know, what to do when, when he put that chef's hat on. So, you know, we're at, we're at a point now where everyone really, you know, is, is on the same page with the, with the recipe and it's funny. <laughs> That's great. This is going to be a in challenging question. I think to ask a person like you, who's involved in so many industries, but if you were to give someone advice, like either younger than you or someone who's thinking about pivoting and doing something and following in your footsteps, what kind of, like, what would you tell them? And it could be different for different industries, if that yeah. makes sense to answer it that way. Yeah. I mean, I'll caveat and say that though I do a lot of different things, I think they're all united by the same thread. You know, this idea of like creating businesses and growing them that live at yeah. this intersection of, of commerce and culture. So, you know, I'm a marketer, I'm a, I'm a brand builder and I'm an investor and that kind of, 
you know, translates across different worlds. Yeah. My advice for people, if I had to reflect on kind of how I did it and the moments that made a difference, um, the first thing is like, you have to know your material. It sounds so fundamental, but you have to be a sponge for knowledge and, and for the game and to soak every little bit of it up from, you know, books and, 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 magazines to documentaries to everything that exists to you know whatever exists in in that world that you're trying to be successful in you got to know what you're talking about because that meeting that you want or that moment that you want you know that will happen one day and when that happens and you don't know how to shine in that you're gonna feel like you know you're gonna lose an opportunity so that's my biggest thing is like in this social media era everyone wants to show you know everyone wants to to prove like hey look at yeah. me i'm doing this I think the real value is in learning and accumulating, you know, the knowledge almost like a, like, like a weapon stash, you know? And yeah. then when, you, when you're ready to step out, you know, your game. And, and I think that's what separates, you know, um, the doers from the, from the dreamers, so to speak. Um, and the second thing I think would be around uh, the fear element that we talked about, you know, it's like, gotta be really careful who you take advice from, yeah. you know, in, in my life, what I do today is going to sound crazy, but I have been dreaming of this moment in this life and this existence since I was 16. You know, it took me 16 years of, of the most up and down life yeah. possible, but this is exactly what I wanted to do. But how could I describe this to my parents in the nineties? It didn't exist. Right. I mean, like the internet barely existed. And so all the fear, all the things that, that were projected on me, um, I had to make sure that I was taking advice from qualified people. And if someone was not qualified and they was just, you know, telling me how they felt, I had to know the difference. And, and I think that's really important for people too. Of course, you should listen to people who are, you know, giving you advice and, and wanting the best for you. But at the same time, you got to make your own decisions if you want to live the life that, you know, you, you dream about. And, and it's very easy to say, but it's much harder to, to do and to to live in passing that is <laughs> incredibly good advice and you're right it is one of those things that it's probably very difficult to actually do but it, it does make sense and it's yeah. very sweet advice too it is it that that i think that challenge and it's funny because i've never thought about this until we had this conversation about you know your parents are going to give you advice in certain stages of your life but you will come a point where you outgrow um what you're trying to do versus what they're trying to tell you. And I think that's a very important moment to understand and take it in, respect it, but know that you need to either go somewhere else or you need to learn it on your own. It's hard. I think you, I think you nailed it. I think the respect portion is key. Like, yeah. you know, throughout my life as, as hardcore as I have been about what I want and how I want to do it, I've always been respectful, you know, because yeah. that that's, I think a key part of our culture. And also, you know, it's just the right thing to do. Um, and I think there is a way to be respectful, but also to be um, confident in your own abilities and, you know, in your own path. Yeah. Well, I, I would hope that you be open to people reaching out. I know you're a very busy person, but if somebody wanted to reach out to you to either ask you something or want some advice or something, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. Best way, man. Um, shoot me a DM on, on Instagram or Twitter or some, some social platform. Yeah. Um, 
that's the best way. And even that can take a couple, couple of days before I get back, but um, email or, or, or DMs are the best. And if I don't get back to you, it's not personal. I'm just probably cutting through some crazy situation. And I, I always try to get back to everybody. Cause I remember being in that position myself. I'm sure no one's going to blame you if you take a little bit of time, especially after hearing all the stuff that you have to deal you, with and take care of. You'd be surprised, man. People are like, Hey, I have, I need advice. Hey, give me advice. I'm like, <laughs> all right, bro. Like, that entitlement is real just because you're on social media and you have a presence or you like to give advice or, or you're open to giving advice. I think things, sometimes people just feel entitled to it. And that's, that's yeah. the wrong way to do it. I give away a lot to be fair. I give yeah, away a lot. I, I've really treat my social media as a like ongoing educational platform. You know, yeah. like, I don't really flex. I don't really stunt. Y'all don't see any craziness from me. All I try to do is share what I'm going through and, and, and have people kind of learn from it. So uh, I feel like I'm, pretty generous on that side. And, and I want to continue to do that. Dude, I think you're amazingly generous and you, you do a really good job of balancing this idea of showing, not flexing, but kind of understanding like a, why they should be listening to you and why your advice is valuable. Cause it's obviously hard to just, you know, if you're just out here listening to people, but if they don't have anything to show for it, if they haven't done anything themselves and why would you even listen? But I think you do a very good job of balancing both of those things. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Comes, That's comes why from... I, sorry. Yeah. Man. No, I was gonna say it comes from being in the trenches. You gotta, you gotta, you know, <laughs> if you're in the trenches, you know how to, you know how to get out of them. And so that's, that's the the validation that I can that I can provide for people. Is there anything that you want to talk about or touch on or or say uh, that we haven't spoken about yet? Um, wow, I, I think the only thing I'll touch on because I'm going through this myself right now, and I think it's just an important piece um, of especially f of like the south asian and just immigrant first generation experience we are trained to be good at skills and and to learn and to be um strong and and you know focused rarely are we trained on how to be good to ourselves and how to like train our mind and how to like nurture you know ourselves throughout this whole yeah. process um entrepreneurship business, all these things, these are, like I said, high stress, you know, they're lonely. They are, uh, it feels like a pressure cooker all the time, you know, like, and, and for everyone who wants to get into it or who, you know, dreams of that freedom, um, make sure that you're taking care of your mind before you're taking care of your money. And that's something that, um, you know, it, it's an ongoing process, but you got to really make sure that you're built for the long term. And that you're not just doing something for a quick check or a quick buck, but that you have something you're passionate about and, and you're, you're taking care of yourself on your journey to getting it. Dude, I really appreciate you saying that. And I think that more so now than ever before, that's a very, very important thing that people should hear and understand. Yeah, I'm going through it, man. 2020 almost like broke me, you know, and, yeah. and to, to make it out on the other side, uh, I learned a lot. And that's one of the biggest things I learned is like, hey, we got to be we got to be kind to ourselves and we got to make sure that we're, you know, uh, pouring into ourselves the right way to be able to, to be able to run this marathon that we're on. Yeah. On a slightly lighter note, the last question that I have for you is Let's what is, what is your favorite pizza spot? Wow. Oh man. In New York city, my favorite pizza spot has to be, man, I'm, I'm gonna have to go basic and, and say artichoke really 
Yeah, is that basic? Am I like no? Nah, this is a question, personal question, man. There's no wrong answer. It's just whatever you like. No one, no one should be able to tell you what you should or shouldn't like. Well, oh, man, this is funny because I barely get to eat. My days are so crazy, but I, I do enjoy. I do enjoy artichoke pizza. I'm not gonna lie about that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What about you? you, you I this this question comes up a lot, and it's it's a little bit more complicated. But I think for a regular basic slice, I think Joe's um, on Bedford and Williamsburg. I know they have it in the city too. Uh, they have a couple spots, but I think Joe's in Bedford is my like go-to for just a plain regular New York slice. That's solid. Um, yeah, there's there's one that what's the one on sixth and like tw- like nineteenth or whatever the famous one Roberta's. I don't know if that's the one. They they have some incredible like New York slices, but yeah. I'm trying to think of six minutes. I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, I should have I prepped this question better, but man. <laughs> um, internet, if you want to flame me for going to Artichoke, I'll accept it. Um, Yo, listen, nobody should ever talk shit about what kind of PC. I always talk about it's, you know, you love what you love. I can, I can appreciate Domino's when the time is right and it's appropriate, and then I can appreciate something fancy too when it's appropriate. That's um, fair. Oh, yeah. you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I'm going uh, to say Italy. Italy got some, some oh, fire. Yeah. Them little pizza squares, them joints be yeah. banging. So, yeah, yeah I'm gonna add that in the mix. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's still I, like super bougie and not New York, no, like not super it, New York centric. But no, this is. Good, I'm gonna let man. the internet come for me. It's all good. <laughs> no, this is. I think it's great. I think it's perfect that you have. That's what you like, uh, man. I can't honestly can't thank you enough for being on this and taking some time out to educate us and spit knowledge and sprinkle gems and do all that good stuff. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the platform. Thank you for the thoughtfulness that went into this. That, that means a lot. Of course, man. Thank you so much. And we will talk real soon. Yes, sir. <laughs>